another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, we will be reacting to the pivotal Kansas City Chiefs win versus the now 2-1 Baltimore Ravens. Kansas City is now undefeated to start the season after a 34-20 win. And today, boys, I introduce a new segment to the show. Let me explain. One of my favorite shows on television is Game of Thrones. Ugh. One of my favorite scenes in Game of Thrones is when Cersei has to atone for her sins and perhaps do a walk of shame. That person behind her during the walk of shame is Septa Unella. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right. I didn't even know she had a name. But what she's known for is the shame nun. So today we introduce a new segment called the shame nun segment. Our Mondo is going from hot take Mondo to shame nun Mondo. Because I have some people to shame today. Here we go. I have, I have seven people to shame. Seven. Number one, shame on you, Steve Young. Two, shame on you, Booger Farlin. Shame on you, Randy Moss. Shame on you, Susie Colbert. Shame on you, ESPN. Shame on you, Vegas, for picking the Ravens as a 3.5 favorite. And last but not least, shame on you, Reese. I won't say your last name because this is a live reaction now. Shame on all seven of you for picking the Ravens before the game. Shame on national media for always picking the Ravens, for always thinking Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback since whoever, Joe Montana. Shame on all of you. Lamar Jackson is now 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes. He is 21-1 against every other quarterback in the NFL. Reese, you've been shame nunned. What is your defense? Well, I never said that Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in the NFL, so I would like that on the record right away. I I said he's dangerous in the sense that he's completely unpredictable in what he's going to do, and that's what worried me about this game, especially after last week where our defense seemed just content to give up chunks and chunks of yards, even on the most basic of plays. Number two, the reason I panicked midway through the game, well, not even midway, kind of like two-thirds of the way through the game, was the Chiefs just refused to close the door on the Ravens. This wasn't really the Ravens doing stuff to keep themselves in the game. Butker spotted them four points in the first half with inexplicable missed kicks. And then to start the second half, we were about to put away the, you know, we were about to score the put away touchdown. And then Darwin Thompson inexplicably cannot hold on to the ball, even though he can back squat like 600 pounds. And then number three... We had the absolute two worst third and inches and fourth and inches plays I think I have ever seen. So Baltimore wasn't doing anything. We were doing it to ourselves. And as an Iowa football fan, as an Iowa football fan, you know how many games we've lost like that in my lifetime? Enough that my temples are literally starting to go gray. They build a nice... Dude. What? Don't equate Iowa football with Chiefs football. Continue. I absolutely have to. This is like post-traumatic stress. I am dead serious. The number of games in my lifetime that Iowa has gone up like, oh, hey, we're up 15, 16 points with like a quarter and a half left. We can just kind of put this into like run the ball three times and just eat clock, right? 
And then the other team starts building Mo, and suddenly they're within a touchdown of you. And it's late in the game, and they have the ball and all the momentum. Dude, and even speaking as a Chiefs fan, when Alex Smith was here, how many times did we see that happen? Do not equate Alex Smith with Patrick Mahomes. Well, maybe it's hard for me to come to terms with the fact that we have some sort of transcendent, just like sent from the heavens quarterback. You know, it's, it's- I was going to say, Armando, I feel like you're drinking your own Kool-Aid a little bit too much here because after the first series from the Ravens, it felt like we might be in a bit of trouble. They ran the ball like they only passed the ball maybe twice for like 10 yards total on that drive and basically scored at will in that first sequence. So I don't think Reese Reese is off base on having some misgivings about how we put away games. Tell that to Honey Badger on Twitter. Tell that to every single Chiefs player that went on Twitter to talk smack about everyone that were calling them the underdogs. Tell that to the whole Chiefs fan base because we rolling, baby. Let me give you a quick stack and then I'll give it back to Kyle because, Kyle, you were also giving giving Reese crap during the game as well, which I'll I was, I was giving you this, crap too. Me, You're trying to rewrite history and say that you weren't also nervous. I'm not rewriting history. I, I will show you the text. I said, I am not panicked yet. I remember saying yeah. that after uh, you had said you that. You sounded pretty panicked. We read your tone over text. Maybe I, maybe I had the text tone. We read tone. between the lines. Okay, maybe I got to fix my text tone. Maybe, maybe I have to like send you smile emoji so you guys can lighten up a little bit. But I said, I am not Panicked. I am not nervous of this mountain lion scaring me down. I'm just going to pee my pants so I can be lighter in case I have to run away from a mountain just lion. Just send me a relaxed selfie every 10 minutes. <laughs> just like me with like with with like like a hot tea. <laughs> well, all I have to say is you were wrong, Reese. You were wrong, ESPN. Let me give you some stats very quickly because I made stats finally for the first time. In the past three games, Patrick Mahomes has scored nine touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, three Patrick Mahomes has scored over 1,100 yards against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, 511 yards. Patrick Mahomes has completed 93 of 132 passes against the Ravens. Lamar, 50 out of 95. Okay, can we can we stop having the conversation that Lamar Jackson is even close to Patrick Mahomes? Can can we stop? That national conversation. Dude, I've been holding that in since last night, and I didn't say it on the text chat once because I fully agree with you. It's like, at this point now, guys, like, Lamar Jackson didn't just get beat. He didn't just not have a good game like against the Titans last year in the playoffs. He straight played awful. 97 pass yards from an NFL quarterback, and our defense isn't built to keep yards under control. Our defense is built to keep points under control and give up a bunch of yards. So we kept him to under 100 and 100. I don't even what was his rushing yards last night? 85, I believe. 93, 93 yards. 93 yards, excuse me. So like less than 200 yards total offense. I mean and that that 97 yards passing is just inexcusable for me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't I don't know how you defend Lamar Jackson after this game like Lamar's schedule after this, I think it was like the Bengals and and some other pretty crappy team. Like he he's gonna go off again, and then ESPN's gonna go right back. They're gonna go to the power rankings and they're gonna put the Ravens close to two, even though like the Packers are playing really well and all these other teams are playing well. But for some reason they have this affinity for the Ravens and it pisses me off. I gotta say, man, uh 
I agree with you, and I think that our performance against them was really classy last night. I really enjoyed the game. I thought that we bounced back from what we needed to. Not everything was sunshine and roses. Uh, Really, the only time the Ravens looked really put together was on their first offensive drive at the beginning of the game. Uh, I mean, the only other real bright spot was the kick return for a touchdown. As you guys mentioned, Lamar looked out of sorts, uh, overthrowing, underthrowing guys, like almost picking like the wrong routes as if he like there was a miscommunication on the play call. Um, basically none of the creativity that we got to see from our guys, which was really amazing. I mean, it's, it's always great to see Patrick at work, but also it was awesome to see Kelsey get the ball in the open field a little bit. Um, I feel like in our first few games, uh, especially the chargers game in particular, and I mean, their defense is better than the Ravens. Dare I say that? Yes. Uh, no, that's and, fine. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, they were getting to Kelsey immediately. So, so many times we tried to get him the ball in the flat and then he would just be down, gain a three or four. So, it was awesome to see him get tricky in the open field. Uh, good performance from Watkins again. Tyreek as well. I mean, CEH is a beast. It was just awesome to see the creativity, I thought. Yeah, and why don't we jump right into it then? Let's talk about the offense. And Reese, I'm going to leave this question to you. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. He had four touchdowns, 385 yards, no sacks, no interceptions, and also ran the ball a little bit. Reese, if I would have told you before the game that a feature in our offense was going to be Eric Fisher and Anthony Sherman, and they were both going to score touchdowns against this elite Ravens defense as we thought they were what would you you have thought Reese well you know I don't want to say this because this makes it you know this downplays just how well our offense played but I've always thought the Ravens defense has been overrated just like many other aspects of that team that defense is built to beat teams that become one-dimensional aka they're passing you know to to come back out of a hole and we had the luxury of being so far ahead and in control of the game, we could send two phases of attack to them. And, you know, that's what really kept them on their heels. Is Pat going to, like, surgically pick us apart? Or are they going to drop, you know, some sort of, like, quick pitch or, like, handoff play to Cl- uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Excuse me, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. And, uh, you know, th- they really didn't get better in this offseason. I know they had Clyus Campbell, but they lost Earl Thomas. Their new linebacker, uh, I, f- I forget his name, McQueen? Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Queen. Queen. Uh, you know, he didn't show me a whole bunch. I've seen about as much from Willie Gay Jr. as I have, you know, Patrick Queen right now. So I'm not really surprised that Pat was able to have a field day on him the way he did. Reese, after seeing this game then, does this change your opinion as to how that Chargers game went for us? Uh, a little bit. It makes me wonder how much of it was a trap game versus how real are the Chargers, particularly on defense. You know, I, I'm almost wondering if, you know, the the Broncos and the Raiders really stocked up in the draft and in the offseason on offensive talent to try to keep up with the Chiefs. It almost makes you wonder if the Chargers decided to go the other way and double down and just really try and build up a fortress of solitude defense to try and keep us, you know, stymied. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and also Chargers, um, Chargers have played us so many times. Chargers have a very good playbook against the uh the um the the chiefs and that's kind of what i wanted to get to last week when we were talking about the chargers i was like look at chargers are a great team but because we play them so many times like um anthony or 
Anthony Lynn, sorry, I was going to say Anthony Sherman. Anthony Lynn has a very good defensive scheme against Patrick Mahomes, and he was getting hit all the time. What happened in this game? Pat was not getting hit. Pat didn't get hit. Well, Pat got hit while he was throwing, but because Pat was staying in the box, Pat was staying within and making really good throws. So the the uh, the uh, difference between these two games is that they had good defensive schemes. In fact, Patrick Mahomes said that the uh, the uh, Ravens were actually bringing blitz packages that he hadn't seen before. But Pat is so in sync with his offense that it did not matter. In fact, he played better against the Ravens blitz than he did when they were not blitzing which shows true goat mentality and in defense of our offensive line you know we really came down on him last week for Patrick running for his life there's a good chance that Eric B enemy you know got him all by the collar and shook him one by one at the end of the game and said you cannot afford to do that again this week against the Ravens Mm -hmm. because I mean the offensive line even without Andrew Wiley who had to have that emergency appendectomy before the game you know, a lot of our linemen really showed up. And I mean, that's an understatement because Fisher freaking caught a touchdown pass. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and also it, to to their defense, their their defensive line is still very good. Like you said, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf played very well. Their their new acquisition from the Denver Broncos, he had six tackles. I mean that that defensive line maybe not be elite still, but they're still very good. Matthew Judon is still there, right? Like they still have guys that know how to get to the quarterback and they did not get to the quarterback Mitchell Schwartz played great Eric Fisher played great um Austin Ryder played pretty well as well and then oh oh Osemele who we uh did not give a lot of credit to last week actually played played pretty well this week so I'm definitely very excited about our offensive line thank you boys I want to talk about like the differences um the biggest difference between last week's game against San Diego yikes Last week's game against the Chargers, ugh, they should still be in San Diego. They should. And uh, and the Ravens has to do with, I think, this weird reality of the COVID season and what it actually means to be on the road. Because last week, if you were to just snap your magic time capsule and we play that game in like, you know, 2019, uh, we're going out to the new stadium, right? Uh and it's the first time we're going to go to their house in the new glitzy place and we're going to be fired up to go in there and get a win right but you know it's empty stadium doesn't really matter maybe we underestimate them a little bit or think the game's going to be easier than it's going to be conversely the opposite end of the spectrum we go into the baltimore game like ready to go because we got to like prove everybody in the national media wrong like armando was harping on earlier in this podcast and we go in there and there's no fans. So it's, you know, exponentially easier for us. I'm not saying the Ravens have the most rabid fan base of all time, but it's loud in there and they're a good team. So their fan base is excited. Right. And so we get to go in and not have those distractions. So it's almost like last games, last week's game was tougher because of it. And this week's game was easier. Maybe, I don't know. That's a really good point, especially as regards to fan bases go. As I alluded to earlier in the podcast, you know, the Ravens are a big momentum and rhythm team. And, you know, maybe I was getting too excited midway through the third quarter when they were starting to put points on the board because I still had the feeling that there were fans in the crowd. I mean, if there was like 70,000 ticked off Baltimoreans in the crowd, you know, when they were starting to make that comeback then there's a good chance the Chiefs go three and out the next drive and we got a really big game. But as you mentioned, with no with no fans in the audience, that really changes the dynamic of what it means to be playing on the road versus playing on a, a neutral site. And then your 12th man is just cross-country travel. 
I think this could be really important for us when we go to our division rivals, Denver and Oakland, because it's it's got to be hard to get fired up to really like put the hammer down on those guys if you don't have their you know crazy fan bases who hate the Chiefs sort of motivating, you know. And and Ty- Tyreek Hill also said that in the last week, uh, in last week's post game, he was like, it was really weird not to have any fans there and to get pumped up. That's how I get pumped up. So I think they'll they'll get used to it throughout and kind of feel like it's a scrimmage, I guess, or whatever they get their energy from. I mean, there's so many like energy boosters on that on that Chiefs team. I'm sure it's going to be fine. But yeah, definitely going to play a factor. Um, I want to move ahead to now Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Andy Reid threw the playbook at the Ravens. This was not just another game, which they were saying the whole week, right? Lamar was saying it. Patrick was saying it. They're like, oh, just another game. Absolutely not. Andy Reid threw out some plays that we haven't seen in a very long time. In fact, that that Anthony Sherman shovel pass, the last time that that they did that was in the uh, in the Patriots playoff game two years ago. They had done a shovel pass like that, and then that Eric Fisher play they had just made up like specifically for this game. They made up during training camp. So let's talk about Andy Reid, kind of um, for lack of a better term, uh, turning the knife on the Ravens for this game. This wasn't a regular season game for him. This was personal. Yeah, that's a really good point. He had a lot of really good play calls throughout this game, and none of them seemed like they were super trick player misdirections, albeit I think we had that one wildcat formation play that got us about eight yards uh, on that first drive in the third quarter. But otherwise... You know, the the announce team said it when Fisher had that touchdown pass. They're like, yo, you know, the the guard or the, the lineman lined up as a receiver, you know, looks like he's going to block, but he's eligible. He said it works every time. So that's not something Reed invented. I thought the underhand shovel pass to Sherman was an incredible play. And I mean, Patrick makes those things look so routine and mundane. It blows my mind. But, you know, it's not like Andy was calling a bunch of flea flickers and Statue of Liberties like out of desperation to keep up with them. He was doing it and calling these plays because he knew that if we could get a lead on this Ravens team and keep putting stakes in the hearts of the vampires, you know, they're not great playing from behind. They're not built to play from behind. I just thought it was excellent play calling. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty crazy to see all this happening because it was so different from the Texans game and and the uh and the LA Chargers game because Texan game was a lot of pocket passing, very scripted. It was working, no pressure. Chargers game, there was a lot of pressure on Pat, but Andy didn't take the playbook out. Andy didn't take out these special plays and said because, and, and we, we also talked about this on, on the text chain. Andy was waiting, and Andy probably would have taken the loss to keep all these plays against the Ravens so he so Pat was being Pat during the Chargers game I think that was just Pat doing his own thing going left to right and then this game was kind of a collaboration of both where we were seeing a lot of great plays by by Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid and Pat getting out of the pocket and feeling incredibly comfortable even when he was being uh, chased even when they did expose Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher on the sides like Pat was like, okay, fine, I'm just going to rush now. Okay, fine, I'm just going to scramble out and I'm going to do a quick pass to Travis Kelsey. I mean, he looked so comfortable in that game because of both of those things. I mean, again, I'm going to harp on this. Lamar Jackson could not do anything that Patrick Mahomes just did. Anything. 
So he should he should be like ranked three right now in the NFL. But again, Pat's in his own tier. He's in his own tier. No, Lamar Jackson should be ranked fourth because Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are playing way better than him right now. Sure, sure. That's valid. That's valid. Also, hate to say it, Russ Wilson is giving Pat Mahomes a run for his money for number one. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, Josh Josh Allen is giving everybody a run for their money. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, to, to your point, Kyle, uh, now putting Josh Allen in there, Jackson could be fifth right now in the well, NFL. And the, the funny thing is, like, especially from Jackson's body language and the way that he was interacting with his teammates on the field. You know, those guys have cameras on him all the time. It's almost easier now because there's no fans in the way or whatever. Uh, and then his post game comment about how Kansas City is their kryptonite, like clear. Yeah, that is bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, clear. I mean, I, I again, like, I don't. To Reese's point, I don't. I don't think the Titans game was a meltdown from him quite last season, but it was definitely nerves. And so, you know, I, I, it's hard to know what to think because he is clearly talented enough to be very good. And but I mean we just haven't seen it against us when it really matters. So it's like, all right, can he just turn it on against some less talented teams, or what's the deal here? Well, are we really going to say we haven't seen it against us when it matters? Because remember, the Titans beat him in the playoffs the year before that. Old Man Rivers and the then San Diego Chargers beat him in the playoffs. I mean, I would almost equate big games seem to be a bigger issue, or I should just say people that have time to really prepare for him seem to be a bigger issue. You know, yeah. week by week, how many teams do you think say, "Oh, we got the Ravens coming in that crazy attack." Ah, let's see what's our schedule look like. Okay, let's just let's just try and win, eat the L if we do, you know, whatever. But when teams have time to like actually circle the Ravens and be like, "How do we take this team apart?" There's now ample video of what makes Lamar Jackson uncomfortable and makes him really regress play-wise. And that's a really good point because we actually do that too, where we look at the schedule and think, okay, well, we're going to Buffalo and we have the Saints, right? Like if we lose those games, fine, they're not playoff games. Like we would rather win, but like we sort of mentally think that they, you know, and so I'm sure there's some of that on the sidelines too. Although we could look like we could be bound for a 14 and two season. Or even better, which we'll talk about. But why don't we stay on the Lamar Jackson Chiefs defense train since we're on it. Um, We talked about uh, Lamar Jackson. Let's talk about also our biggest weakness is running. And the Ravens running backs plus Lamar Jackson is probably the biggest threat in the NFL. And it was, I mean, in week one and week two, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins were clearly the this three-headed monster that's some of the best in the league. And Texans beat us on the run. Chargers destroyed us on the run. But the Ravens didn't beat us on the run, and that, and that was truly amazing. So they had the big rushing first drive. They had 67 rushing yards in that very first drive. After that, very minimal. I think there was a stat, it was like 30 yards from that time to maybe the third quarter, and then they started running a lot. But why don't we talk about that, how our Chiefs defense played extremely well against a elite rushing attack. Yeah, I think we did a really good job containing yards allowed on runs, you know, that really kept them out of rhythm, because that was a big problem against the Chargers last week is that it felt like every first down they're running it right up our gut for four, five, six yards, giving him a second and manageable and a third and short. 
And that's exactly what we couldn't afford to do in this game because you know that the Ravens wouldn't be afraid to go for it on fourth and two, fourth and three. And that's why I think that final deep drive the Ravens had, it was so huge when it was first and goal. And for two straight plays, we sent them backwards because the Ravens aren't made for big strikes. The Ravens are meant to like kill you by a thousand cuts. That's a great point. And also to to that, so they don't do well there, but then they also don't do well in the passing game. Here's a pretty cool stat for you. When our cornerbacks were matched up with wide receivers and Lamar threw to them, they only had a combined 10 receiving yards when targeted when there was a cornerback on them. And we're not talking... Juan Thornhill. We're not talking Honey Badger. We're talking Richard Fenton, Traverius Ward, and Legereus Sneed. There was a combined eight targets towards all those guys, three receiving catches for a total of 10 yards. Hollywood Brown had two receiving yards, or sorry, he had two receiving catches for 13 yards. So not only did we stop them in the D-line, but our, our cornerbacks were great, and Lamar did not even challenge our cornerbacks. He only threw it eight times out there. It, I mean, what do you guys have to say about that? That's crazy. Also, a uh, quick shout out to Juan Thornhill for having a huge bounce back game. That was awesome. Very good Absolutely, point. yeah. Five five tackles. Also, he, st- he stopped Lamar from maybe having a touchdown on that run. He really did. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, you know, Juan Thornhill's a friend of the podcast and listened to last week, but we, we really kind of laid into him as well. But, man, he looked like Honey Badger yesterday, didn't he? It's exciting. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And not only that, Reese, but our our linebackers decided that they learned how to hit again. First of all, Tedrick Thompson, who are you, dude? Who are you? But thank you for being on the Chiefs. Like, of course, I've seen Tedrick for the past three weeks, but I, I haven't heard anything about Tedrick. And then I started researching. So I apologize, Tedrick, for not knowing you better. But you tackle extremely well and you either taught Anthony Hitchens to or Anthony Hitchens just came out of nowhere. And I know Reese, you were like, well, he's, he's, he's an Iowa boy. <laughs> he sure is. Uh, so, I mean, what, what we're saying to that is the fact that, you know, it, it's obvious Hitchens is not super athletic. No, he's not. He's got very slow feet. He's not very explosive. However, if he gets a chance to tackle you, he's going to tackle the crap out of you. Uh, you know, so I, I'm happy to see that. Uh, we got to see a little bit of Willie Gay Jr. yesterday, which is which is good. You know, I've been waiting to see that for a while, and you know, so far we've seen a limited sample size. He's got a blocked punt. He chased down Lamar Jackson. I think that just might be a matter of letting him cook and letting the wine age to perfection in regards to like figuring out the playbook. But I mean, our linebacker showed up yesterday, guys. I mean, how big was stopping the run by keeping Lamar by keeping Ingram contained and not letting him get past that second level? Yeah, I. I have a feeling this week during practice that there was so much, um, I guess I can't cuss anymore, S talk, if you know if you know what I mean. There was, there was so much talk about the Ravens that we don't know about. Like, there was just a fire there that I was not expecting because it's a regular season game. It's week three. Some of our guys are a little banged up, but they came out there ready to hit. And then also to your point about, about Willie Gay, not only did he did he tackle Lamar, it looked like he was going to chop his head off when he tackled him. Like, he almost horse-collared him into a chokehold, which is not 
great. We don't want to promote that. But that dude plays with the fire, and that's exactly why we wanted him, because exactly what we have now, athleticism, right? Tedrick Thompson is proving to be a very athletic guy. That dude tackles. And I think Anthony Hinches is finally getting on board. And it's like, all right, we got some athletic dudes. We got some fired up dudes. I mean, that was an incredible showing on all fronts, on the D-line, linebackers, cornerbacks. It was excellent. Okay, uh, if you have nothing else to say, guys, about the defense, I'm going to move on to Reese's segment. Hit it. For the past three or four weeks, we have been um, having a regular segment about Reese, and the segment is called Hashtag Reese because Reese knows a lot about refereeing, and boy... If anything gets him fired up, I mean, Reese gets fired up about a lot of things, but this is probably number one thing that gets him fired up. Referee calls. Bad calls. Bad calls against the Chiefs. Reese, the floor is yours. All right. I'm just aligning my chakra right now so I don't don't release everything (laughs) all at once. So here's my thing. They mentioned at the beginning of the game, they said... Look at the all-star referee team they've accrued here. They have like 15 Super Bowls between <laughs> them and like 800 games of experience. Rada, rada, rah. No. I loathe all-star, big air quotes for those of you who can't see, all-star referee crews, especially in big games like this, because they feel like, oh, well, they've assembled us to make this refereeing Megazord. Yeah, we're just as much a part of this big game as, you know, the the two big teams on a national stage. Let's try and impose our will. And more often than not, they start throwing things like flags beyond playing it to the letter of the book. Now, I'm happy to say last night, in regards to like recent memory of these all-star teams, they were fairly inoffensive. They were keeping their whistles in their, you know, around their neck, keeping the uh, the flags in the back pocket. But late in the game, and this is touching down on what I said last week about Vegas odds and trying to make LA football a thing. Late in the game, after we put away that touchdown that put us up 14, Ravens had that long drive. The long drive was brought to you in part by garbage calls from the officials that had Caesar's Palace in their earpiece. The reason I say that, the, the first thing that set it all off was that garbage, unnecessary roughness, hitting the defenseless receiver that was Mark Ingram. Dog. Ingram was bobbling the ball. One more guy came by and hit him on the chest with his shoulder, which ultimately jarred the ball loose. That's a fantastic football play. And if you're going to tell me that Sammy Watkins can get straight murked helmet to helmet last week in that game and that is nothing, and then you call this. Yeah, that was bad. That was awful. Not even a retroactive fine. And you're going to call this unnecessary roughness? Dude, Legion of Boom did that every single play circa 2013, so I don't want to hear it. The second one, the illegal use of hands to the face on Chris Jones on that drive, dude... Did that guy even have his chin strap on? Like, Jones threw his arm up and, like, flicked the face mask, and the helmet went flying, like, 10 yards. It's like, come on. Keep that in your pants. That one, Last but not least. That, that, that one, at least, is just by the rule book. They sort of had to call that. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But this is one that's... But they made a huge deal of it on the broadcast, which I thought was unnecessary because it wasn't, like, an unsportsmanlike play. No, absolutely not. Again, it was Chris Jones trying to shake a guy who was holding him, which, oh my gosh, brings me to my final raging point. I Okay, so 
I legitimately texted one of my buddies at the brewery who like he knows football inside out, upside down, all the ways about it. And I said, Hey man, I'm like, I'm I'm legitimately asking here, are the Chiefs doing something on defense, some sort of swim move that constitutes holding calls null and void? Just because like the number of times that Chiefs are getting these ticky tack holding calls, like we saw last week against the Chargers, but our guys are getting straight mugged, like grabbed up at the collar to the point they can't even turn around. That's how Lamar got most of his rushing yards last night. We had guys that were trying to you know, set the edge on him, but they couldn't even turn around to make a play because they were getting held so hard. I mean, the uh, to your earlier point um, about the way that our defense is constructed, uh, something I really liked about our creativity, especially in the second and third quarters as we sort of started to try to put the hammer down. Again, that first drive aside, the kickoff return aside we found all manner of ways to pressure Lamar into having to make a play with his arm and so I think it might be chicken or the egg like we noticed them be most successful when they were able to turn the corner and find something with Lamar on the ground but I think a lot of that had more to do with we locked him down so much from a passing perspective I mean yeah for sure I mean there's some some holding calls that could have been made. Um, But again, like, I don't know. I think we just got to be happy with how this game went as a whole. Yeah. To Reese's point, I'm sure Vegas was in their ear because this is an awful game for national media. This is an awful game for ESPN because it's proven that Patrick Mahomes is the goat and Lamar is not even close to being the goat. Win a couple playoff series and then we'll talk. How about well, that? Like you said, and that, that's a big reason why I felt like Vegas was in their ears saying, "Hey, keep, keep this, keep this a game, man." Because, dude, the Chiefs, the score might not indicate it, but that game felt like it was closer to fifty to twenty, man. I mean, it, it was two completely different classes of teams led by two completely different classes of quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, of course, there was that point in the third and the fourth quarter where Lamar did look comfortable. He looked good, and he was getting those 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 short passes to Mark Andrews. He was getting those dink and dunks to, um, uh, to Mark Ingram and he was running pretty well in the third and the fourth, but then we were able to counter pretty well and we were able to stop it once again. So he did have like a couple runs, which were pretty scary at a, at a time. Um, but we were able to stop him. That was incredible. And that, and that's, ha- and that's hats off to our cornerbacks for, you know, stopping that, like, the pass, the run, the, that kind of 50-50 where you don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely great stuff from the Chiefs. All right, let's wrap up this uh, live reaction. We'll see if it becomes live reaction. Our last segment, game preview for next week, which could be a good game, could not be a good game. I'll see what you guys' thoughts first before I go on, but we are going to play the 2-1 and one Patriots. Yep, two and one. Two and one Patriots led by the Cam Newton. Boys, what are your predictions? Chiefs or the Patriots? I think this game is going to go similarly to the way of our last two games, just from a from a construction perspective. And it's just going to be how, how well we can stop the run between Damian Harris and Sony Mich- Michelle. Uh, dude, I don't know if you saw his highlights from last week. That was ridiculous. He's really good. So, and, you know, I mean, Cam can run too. So I guess people are probably going to try to make it like it's as big of a challenge as Lamar Jackson. It's, it's not. But, 
you know, we'll see. But I think in terms of not letting this get into a like a blitz fest, like just total, you know, trading touchdowns, we just got to uh, stop the run. I agree. Stopping the run is going to be a big thing. Uh, you know, Cam isn't as explosive as a runner as Lamar Jackson is. I think he's a bit more of like a power. He's going to truck you sort of thing. But on the flip side of things, I th- also think Cam Newton is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. I mean, especially a more consistent passer. But I want to break down the Patriots so far this year. Everyone's saying, oh, they haven't missed a beat. You know, Cam Newton's in there. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. But they played the Dolphins 21-11, not really convincing. They lost to the Seahawks 35-30. You know, Seahawks dropped 35 points on them. We can do that. And the Seahawks defense is, you know, vastly overrated. And then, you know, last week they beat the Raiders by doing all you have to do to beat the Raiders, which is shut down Waller at tight end. You know, and they beat him 36-20. So. Also, sidebar, so, sorry to interrupt you. I reason I mentioned Damian Harris is that he hasn't played yet this season. So, like, that that's, that's the biggest threat to us, right? Like, we don't have any tape yet. I understand. And, I mean, as far as the team's played so far, you know, I wouldn't say Cam Newton's having a renaissance. He really didn't have a great game against the Raiders. Uh, he had under 200 yards passing that game, a touchdown, an interception. Not looking so hot, and the Miami game really didn't fill me with confidence. I mean, I'll give him props for that Seattle game, but I think the big story in this is going to be Bill Belichick and coaching. You know, he is uh, an elite mind, and he seems to always game plan well against us, but I think in the grand scheme, Andy's had his number historically. Am I not correct? Yeah, no, you're definitely correct there that Andy, I think Andy is is ahead of of him on matchups. I had to look at my stats for that one, but... Hot take Mondo. Cam Newton is a better runner than Lamar Jackson. He's a more efficient runner than Lamar Jackson. Cam Newton will be a bigger threat to the Chiefs than Lamar Jackson. Fight me. I mean, I like Cam Newton a lot, so I won't argue with that. Cam Newton has shown no wear and tear this year, Uh, okay? The biggest argument that we've had against Cam Newton is that he is not healthy all the time. There was nothing against his talent, right? I mean, he had a bad Super Bowl game, of course, but all the knocks on Cam Newton was that he couldn't stay healthy. These past three games, he's actually looked pretty good. Like Reese said, he's been passing well, he's been running well, and he doesn't have to be the featured running back on his team anymore with Sony Michelle, who honestly came out of nowhere. Sony Michelle did not look good week one and two. In fact, Sony Michelle, we didn't even think was going to be the head runner. James White is dealing with a tragic loss of his father, so James White did not play last week. James White's going to be back next week. Rex Burkhead came out of nowhere this week as well. And then, like you said, Damian Harris will be active. They essentially have five different runners that the Chiefs need to account for. So it's going to be an uh, an offense that I guess we've seen kind of Patriots light last week or sorry, yesterday with the Ravens having kind of a four headed monster there. Uh, but this is a different type of team where where Cam in the red zone is going to run it down our throats which Lamar did not do, right? Lamar runs fast, but Lamar isn't as big as Cam Newton is. Cam Newton is very powerful in the red zone and is very successful in the red zone. Um, so I'm looking t- for Cam to have actually a pretty decent game against us. Well, I think you got a point that he might have a decent game against us. I think the wear and tear is going to show throughout the season as we see diminishing returns on Cam. Because in the first three games, his passing has not 
filled me with a whole bunch of confidence. You know, between the the Las Vegas and the Miami game, he's a cumulative 32 for 47. That's not great for a total of, it looks like, 315 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They won't be able to rely on his legs week 10, 11, 12 on, especially come playoff time. So the, the big thing will be, the, let's say they get us this week, but if we play them later in the playoffs, I won't be so worried because I think that damage is going to start showing on Cam's body. Yeah, I mean, it will like like I said, there there is no indication that it's going to happen. Of course, he's been running the ball, so he might have some wear and tear. But right now, he looks good, and I think it's going to be a pretty close game because Patriots defense, even though they're not what they were last year because of the people that have left because of the opt-out, um, it's still a pretty good defense. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I think Chiefs still win. Chiefs still win pretty well, but give the Patriots credit. It's not going to be a Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, it's going to be more of a Belichick versus Patrick Mahomes game. I agree. But give me give me 30, 30 to 23 Chiefs. I'll go Chiefs by 10. Um, I like Kyle's Chiefs by 10. I'm going to say Chiefs by 10 in a game that feels a lot tighter than 10 with a Harrison-Butker uh, rebound field goal that puts it away. <laughs> we hope so. Sorry if we overhyped you, Harrison-Butker. Harrison was probably listening to our podcast and just like thought he was amazing. That's probably what happened. And then he got some humble pie yesterday. Uh, but it's fine. Look. Harrison had a bad game. It's better to have that game now than at the end of the season if he was like just riding high and then week 16 misses like three field goals and then just like becomes like a shell of himself for the playoffs. Like, good. He had a bad game yesterday. Pick it up. Say your prayers. We're good. Well, and the announced team mentioned it too. They're like, Andy Reid on the plane flight home is probably going to walk by Harrison Butker's chair and say, You were listening to Fountain City Sports Media this week, weren't you? Stonks. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Find us on Instagram at Fountain City SM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.